That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and welcome to The Great America Show. We have a lot to cover, as usual. And as usual, let's get right to it. I believe the magnitude of the domestic threats our nation now faces are the most dangerous and divisive since the Civil War almost 160 years ago. 53 days till Election Day. Less than two months now till the midterms. And we're watching the political landscape shift all across the country. And forget, just forget what you're hearing from most media outlets. It's all bull. And their polls are meant to depress and dissuade you, most voters, from voting. In particular, you and me, Republicans, Independents, and Conservatives and Libertarians. So here's what you can rely on, in my opinion. The polls I respect and which have been either the most accurate over the last two election cycles or near the top, those polls show President Biden is in real trouble. They show that his overall approval rating is in the tank, that his student loan forgiveness plan is an albatross around his political neck because middle-class families in this country are outraged that they would have to pay down the massive school debt of Democrats, and Democrats are upset they aren't getting even larger handouts from Marxist Joe and our government. Look what the Democrats are facing now. Afghanistan, runaway inflation, authoritarian government, President Biden's DOJ and FBI weaponized against his political rival, against President Trump, against congressmen, and against private citizens, Lies after lies, this Biden administration is carrying out the biggest disinformation campaign against Americans in our country's history, shipping tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine, some of which may be Biden's hush money for Zelensky, and not a dime to protect the nation by securing our southern border. Biden's border and immigration policies are now fully aligned with the Mexican drug cartels and all a disaster for America and Americans. Senator Chuck Schumer acknowledges now that the Democrats are in big trouble in their House races. And right now, I believe the Republicans will take back the House. And if Schumer's this worried about the House, then I think he knows he's in some trouble in the Senate as well. At least that's how I read Schumer. And today we learned of more controversy and perhaps more corruption and betrayal in the scandal-ridden FBI. The Daily Mail today reporting a top FBI official, the former head of counterintelligence at the New York field office, Charles McGonigal, is under investigation for business dealings with a sanctioned Russian oligarch, Oleg Deripaski. McGonigal was one of the lead FBI agents, of course, investigating, that's right, President Trump in the Russia collusion hoax. McGonigal isn't charged with a crime, but the mail reports he is the target of a federal grand jury. We'll keep you up to date on that case. We're also pleased to bring you today a great American hero who is a frequent guest on The Great America Show, Chad Robichaud. 
Chad is responsible for the largest civilian-led rescue mission ever. He secured the rescue of over 17,000 people in Afghanistan as a result of Biden's botched withdrawal. He's also been on the front lines in Ukraine, where he focused on the training and communications and evacuations of the people and military of Ukraine. And I'm glad to tell you he risked his life numerous times to rescue Americans and others caught in the Ukraine war. And yes, sometimes to recover their bodies. We're always proud to have Chad with us, a decorated U.S. Marine Force Recon veteran, eight deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, best-selling author, a professional MMA champion, the founder and president of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, and he is also the co-founder of Save Our Allies, and he has a new book available for pre-order right now. It's called Saving Aziz, How the Mission to Help One Became a Calling to Rescue Thousands from the Taliban. As you can tell, Chad is a great American, and Chad, it's great to have you with us. Please tell us what you and your Mighty Oaks Foundation and your organizations are doing right now. Yeah, well, uh, Mighty Oaks Foundation is the foundation I run, uh, partnered with uh, Sarah Verardo from the Independence Fund. We came together and brought an incredible effort together called uh, Save Our Allies. And we uh, originally, uh, it all started with me wanting to go get Aziz, who was my interpreter of eight deployments to Afghanistan. Uh, when I was assigned that Joint Special Operations Command, uh, we went there to, uh, we, 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 we were there uh, in early 2000s. Aziz and I served together on eight, those eight deployments. He saved my life multiple times. Just an incredible human being uh, and became not just my teammate, but my friend. Uh, we, a lot of our operations were just he and I. Uh, like I said, he's multiple times saved my life, seen him save the lives of other service members. When we went out operating somewhere, I was at his home, not away on base, and got to see his first two kids be born. Uh, Mashud and Mashuda, uh, uh, I held them when they, were, when they were babies. I mean, these people were very close to me. So as President Biden made the announcement that he was going to do this withdrawal, uh, I had I was already at the end of six years of trying to get Aziz and his wife and kids here on the SIV visas which is the special immigrant visas, which by the way, in 2009, we promised our interpreters that for their service to us, we would get them a, a nine month process. Clearly Aziz was way over nine months and six years. It was no, uh, no end in sight to get him his visa and his, his wife and him and his wife and six kids were in you know, life or death danger. I mean, if, they, if we didn't get them out, they would have uh, certainly been killed. And so I, I knew I had to go get my friend Again, uh, Sarah Verardo and and, uh, and and I came together, uh, pulled together you know, Tim Kennedy and Nick Pomachano and some other great guys that we served with from the special operations community, put together a team of about 12 people to go get Aziz, his wife and six kids. But in doing so, just this miraculous thing happened. Uh, there's no really way I, I know how to describe it, Lou, besides it was just divine because uh, I'm not smart enough or I don't think our team was capable enough to pull this together, but in just a matter of days, we, we didn't just pull together our team, but the incredible support of so many Americans who want to do the right thing when the government wouldn't. Uh, people like uh, you know Glenn Beck uh, from Mercury One who brought in planes and, and uh, millions of dollars in resources. Countries like the UAE who met with us and said, we want to help and we'll give you two C-17 planes. We'll open up your humanitarian center. Uh, there was a Jewish organization that wanted to donate a million dollars for a plane, but they said, uh, or $1.5 million for two planes, actually. And they said, hey, you're a Christian organization. Like, we can't do that because we're we're a Jewish organization. I said, okay, well, you you know we're saving Muslims, right? And we kind of laughed. And 
all uh, came together and, and just made this happen. And, uh, and so, you know, it's again, it started with Aziz, but as the subtitle of the book goes, the mission to save one turned into calling to rescue thousands. Uh, early on uh, in those day days, we knew that this was bigger than Aziz, and we made a decision to help as many Americans, SIV interpreters, women, children that were vulnerable, Christians that be persecuted, to get them out of that country uh, into safety. And, uh, and then we, we just had so much favor. Uh, we were able to get on that uh, HKIA airport, the Hamid Karzai International Airport in Kabul. Uh, the military led us on there. We were able to send teams off outside of the uh, wire to coordinate and grab people and get them on base uh, and then and get them on the airport and fly them to uh, Abu Dhabi. And ultimately, in that first week, we got 12,000 people out. We decided to stay, got another 5,000 people out and uh, continue to do efforts there, you know, since. Well, good on you and good on all of the, the heroes who work with you who uh, did all of that. And uh, and I know there's much more to be done. Uh, give us a sense of how many more of our allies, uh, if the, you know, the special uh, immigrant status uh, folks uh, who were promised so much, uh, how many more are there? Well, in July of uh, July 18th, the State Department released a number, uh, and that number was 74,242 uh, SIV qualified SIV applicants that, that are still in Afghanistan. You got to think, like Aziz, you know, uh, these people uh, to the Taliban or the enemy, they're they're traitors uh, in the Taliban's eyes. They're infidels, and they just their only way to deal with them, if you look at you know the ideology of the Taliban, only way to deal with them is to kill them and their family members. Uh, so not only are these 74,000 uh, qualified to come, but their family members by contract that they have with the United States qualifies them to come. Average about uh, four family members per, per uh, SIV, and we're talking 330,000 people that we made a contractual obligation to, and we left them behind to be killed and slaughtered by the Taliban. And we know that the Taliban is hunting them down, uh, persecuting them, and, and killing them and executing them in some cases. Uh, so that's what we – that's – what we have left behind. Now the state department will say, they'll brag that they've got, they're moving 200 people out per week. And that's mostly from the, mostly from the uh, lily pad places like Abu Dhabi where we move people out. And, and they might be bragging and seem impressed by 200 a week. But if you do the math on that with 330,000, they'll be done in 140 years. Uh, so they're really not even making a dent in this. And uh, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, really heartbreaking because I, I could just think of the image of Aziz and uh, how much faith and trust they had in, in us uh, to help eradicate terrorism and uh, the Taliban in their country. And now they're being left behind there uh, to deal with the problem that we put on them. You know, I, I think about this and, and forgive me for being so, I, I guess I'm crass about it. The fact that we made a promise to do that suggests to me that we didn't have much confidence a decade ago that we're going to win that war. Am I seeing things upside down in some way? You know, uh, I, I think, uh, I don't think it was ever a war to win. Uh, I think it was a, for, for me, Afghanistan was, was keeping terrorism at bay where it belongs. And that's in the mountains of Afghanistan, not on American soil, not in the Western land. Uh, whether or not we were going to ever lead Afghanistan, to be a you know a free and westernized democracy you know as a you know not anything that I ever had hopes for, but 
what I did have hopes for was that we could always maintain a presence there to keep terrorism where it belongs and it's outside of our, our, our backyards. And uh, today, unfortunately, we can't say that. You know, one of the big things that uh, President Biden and the mainstream media pushed for uh, for years as, you know, as campaign talking points is we we're in this endless war. We're in 20 years. It's, 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 we have to get out. We can't spill any more America, blood of American sons and daughters. That was all a lie. And I think we heard it so much that all of us kind of believed it a little bit. And maybe even I, with the information I have, even questioned, like, should we leave or not? Look, we had 2,500 troops there at one point, 4,000 troops at the time we withdrew. We still have 80,000 troops in Japan, uh, uh, 30,000 in Germany, 40,000 in South Korea uh, since the you know World War II and Korean Wars. Like, why were we in such a hurry and, and so hasty to get 4,000 troops out of Afghanistan when the entire international community was participating in an international effort that was the way it should be to keep terrorism at bay? We controlled uh, the most strategic place in the current world's globe, which is Bagram Air Force Base between Iraq, Iran, Russia, and China. And, uh, and we abandoned it without any consultation with the international community, without consultation with even the Afghan government. The only person that people the United States negotiated with was the Taliban, which is the enemy, the terrorist organization. And this Doha agreement uh, that was signed to the peace, the Taliban peace deal is just such a joke. I mean, you're, the, the agreement says that you're going to sign a deal to not allow terrorism in Afghanistan with a terrorist organization. The Taliban, we can't forget, is a terrorist organization. And uh, and so to be in the situation we're in right now should be no surprise to anyone. The world is a much more dangerous place. And we've seen that recently with Al-Zahiri walking around Kabul freely. Uh, it was it was so frustrating for me to hear this administration brag about, hey, we killed Al-Zahiri. Uh, it would be like if you lit my house on fire and threw a glass of water on it and, uh, and wanted me to say thank you. Like uh, killing Al-Zahiri in, in, in Kabul is because you created a scenario for a safe haven of terrorism and Al-Qaeda to feel free that they can walk around uh, Kabul. And so the world is a much more dangerous place today because of it. Now, this administration, to be clear, is not uh, blessed with great geopolitical uh, foreign policy acumen or talent. Uh, it is a pathetic thing to watch. Right now, most Americans don't even know who the National Security Advisor is, the Secretary of State, or uh, the Department of Defense, Sec the Defense Secretary. I mean, and when you talk about Lloyd Austin and, and Tony Blinken and, and, and Jake Sullivan and, and, and President Joe Biden, they're all missing from the White House right now and not speaking to any of these issues. They're holding their head down. They don't want to remind anyone that a year ago they created the greatest stain on this country's uh, reputation uh, in the modern era uh, in, in foreign policy and in the failure to keep promises. You know, Chad, when I think about what you've gone through, Saving Aziz, the title of your new book, it'll be out in January, folks, uh, and we recommend it to you highly. I, I think, when did America quit keeping its promises? When did America start thinking like, we'll keep the terrorists, you know, hold up somewhere in uh, the remote regions of a faraway country like Afghanistan? There was a time when this country went out and killed those who meant to do us harm and uh, made damn certain that the rest of the world knew all about it. I can't think of anything in the modern era that compares to the doctrine, uh, thank you, David Petraeus, General David Petraeus, the doctrine of the long war. Why in the hell did the United States ever quit thinking about killing its enemies and instead 
letting its its allies be killed uh, and to to allow our our soldiers our marines our service members to be in harm's way for 21 years there certainly isn't any forward thinking going on right now lucas i mean i mean how could uh with this reputation of doing this how can america ever gain the trust in the future war of uh, of local nationals uh local wars are won uh, by relationships with the local nationals, uh, and you know, we we know this from uh, you know just history shows that and if we can't have relationships with local nationals as we move into future wars, because America always will be uh, defending its 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 freedom uh, its freedom and freedom around the world, uh, how could we ever be successful in future wars when we have a reputation like this? Right now in Ukraine, uh, I've made great friends with some of the Ukrainian soldiers, and uh, when you make great friends with people, and especially the personality of the Ukrainians, you do a little. Uh, jabbing at each other and have a little fun uh picking at each other and there's been a lot of that on the road as we spend you know many days and nights traveling around ukraine and one of the things that we get made fun of the most is is uh how embarrassing the leadership is in america and, and it's you know all in good fun and picking but uh the truth is it's, it, it it stings and it's embarrassing because i'm proud of our country I'm a, I'm a patriot uh to the core and uh and to know that hey i can't really defend that they're right uh, you know, it's it really it really hurts to hear to know that other people around the world who used to respect us, who used to look up to us, think we're a joke, and uh, and that's not a political like angle as a pundit or anything like that. That's just the truth. This is uh, this is our reputation in the world right now. It's it's our reputation. It is also a strong statement as to what and who we've become. Uh, what I think about, as I just said, our national security apparatus and the uh, national security uh, team, whether it's uh, defense or state. I, I've got a question because you have you have been throughout a hero uh, to our allies, uh, to Americans, uh, to uh, your, uh, your your comrades at arms uh, in the services of the United States. Has once the State Department. And I'm really curious about this. Has once the State Department turned to you or the Department of Defense, please come. Our senior officials, because they need to hear what's happening uh, on the ground with a man who has been there representing the United States uh, and in in combat uh, and humanitarian missions, uh, rescues, sadly, have either one, either the State Department or Department of Defense asked to come to speak? You know, this, the State Department has not. The State Department, in fact, uh, you know, has been nothing but a uh, an obstacle to doing, you know, doing the, the right thing. I mean, I think a lot of uh, when I say our efforts, I, I won't just take all the credit for it. The NGO community, the non-government organization community sure. of the United States has really stepped up to, to where the government didn't in Afghanistan and embarrassed it embarrassed the State Department, and uh, rightfully so, because they were just a disaster. Uh, they took over the NEO operation, which is a non-combatant evacuation operation of Afghanistan. I write a lot about that in the book so people could understand how much of a blunder that was for the White House to take that away from the DOD where it belongs and give it to the State Department, which is a total conflict of interest and, and cost lives, uh, thousands and thousands of lives. Uh, and so the State Department's embarrassed, so they're embarrassed by organizations like us. So they have really uh, worked against uh, the migration of, of these SIV applicants to get them to the United States. 
Uh, I mean, I, I know Glenn Beck and uh, Mercury One is, is in constant battle with them as the State Department. They try to move people to one country, and the State Department will call ahead and tell that country not to take uh, these SIV applicants into their country and, and really giving them no place to go, uh, no place to move these people to. So, so you mean, you mean the department, the U.S. State Department, is insisting on breaking promises made to these SIVs, to our allies, to those who are shoulder to shoulder with our service members in combat and in conflict in Afghanistan, they're not only not keeping promises, they're assuring that they are broken and that we are sealing off avenues of rescue uh, and uh, and refuge for those very same people. They absolutely are. And as a motivation behind it that I can't understand because it's very aggressive, uh, it's not a, it's not passive at all. They're very aggressive about making sure uh, that that NGOs are not able to move uh, these people uh, not only for, not only into the United States, but from country to country. So, you know, I mean, it would be no business of the United States if I was to get a Afghan Afghan refugee and move them to a uh, let's say to uh, to Brazil. Uh, what that has no interest to the United States. But they have they have they have no, shown over the last year that they will go out of their way to call uh, that they, that ca- country and say do not take any of these Afghans into your country uh, and and not out they're not allowed visas for them. In fact, uh, in, in in my book, uh, I talked about uh, a group that we brought to Albania. We brought 300 Afghans to Albania, and as we're bringing them to Albania with permission from the Albanian government, I was on my social media and uh, and I was saying I was in an undisclosed location, and uh and and people was. Once people found out it was Albania, they're like, why did you say an undisclosed location? That wasn't a dangerous place. It wasn't dangerous for my personal safety. What it was dangerous for is if the United States State Department would have knew we were taking uh, taking 300 Afghans to Albania, they would have called the Albanian government and said, no, don't give visas, visas to them. We were having to work around uh, our own State Department to help rescue these people. The State Department is despicable in doing so. I, there's no other word for it. This administration that created this disaster uh, in Kabul a year ago, uh, the loss of 13 service members, uh, they, it, it's just the ugliest moment I've seen in a long time. The cowardice, the ignorance, the indifference of U.S. officials to do what they did. This president, as commander-in-chief, made those decisions. It is on him. No one talks about it now, Chad. No one says a word in the national left-wing corporatist media. But this is, uh, his name should should be engraved next to, the, to every reference to Afghanistan, because this is his doing. Absolutely, and they're they're doing everything they can by putting him on vacation. And uh, during this time of uh, during this anniversary, you know, he's on vacation. He can't answer questions. Uh, Secretary Austin's not going to answer any questions. Uh, nor nor will uh, Blinken answer any questions uh, during this week. And and uh, the American people have a right to know. But we know that this show uh, will be censored. We know that my uh, my book and any social media I do will be censored. Uh, my book should have taken one month to go through the uh, the DOD review process uh, to be reviewed and cleared. It took five months to go through it, uh, and it has been pretty heavily redacted. Uh, but the five months that it took was just enough time to keep me from uh, releasing it on our original release date of October 4th, which would have got it out be- to the American people before the midterms. But now, uh, 
now we have to release it after the midterms, and so we're waiting until July, uh, January 17th. You're saying the Secretary of Defense and the Department of Defense are politically motivated, they're politicized, and now weaponized to operate in in behalf of their commander-in-chief, President uh, uh, Joe Biden? They're all, they're all in campaign mode, in my, in my opinion. So no, It's mine, too, but I had to ask it. Uh, it is. Uh, by the way, this show won't be censored. Uh, I, I guarantee you that. Uh, and and I what I have to say about these people, uh, the, these people are scurrilous. Uh, and and what they have done to our service members, uh, to our country, uh, to the men and women, the veterans who have served with such commitment uh, over all these decades. And for what is the question? And I have to say further that Ukraine, what are we doing in Ukraine? Uh, you know, I, I admire your heroism so much. I I, 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 act, I tell everyone about you, Chad, and what you and your your organizations are doing and what the other great patriots uh, and most of them veterans are doing to help the people in Afghanistan and others, uh, and, excuse me, in Ukraine. Uh, it, it is it's just bewildering to me that we're watching this president pay off Ukraine uh, for, for the— Zelensky's silence. Uh, we are doing things. We could have stopped this invasion, in my opinion, and I believe that uh, Biden had all of the foreknowledge to do so. Uh, our intelligence agencies aren't very good, but they're that good when they can see 200,000 Russian troops on the eastern uh, border of, uh, of Ukraine massing. They knew what was happening, and this this president and his national security team did nothing, but it, it's at various points looked like they were fomenting, uh, urging on Putin to create a uh, a war. Well, I mean, um, you know, there's there's a lot to gain uh, from uh, financially for people, uh, the corrupt people in Ukraine. We know there's a lot of government corruption in Ukraine. That's one of the criticisms I get for helping Ukraine. You know, the people are like, you know, how corrupt the government is in Ukraine. I said, yeah, it is, and. You know where else is corrupt is uh, Washington D.C. You better believe. And, uh, so we we are as well, and uh, and so when you have a, a war like this, but in in, the, in Ukraine, this creates a lot of opportunity for people to make a lot of money. Uh, uh, you know, politicians uh, to make a lot of money, and uh, you we we're given you know over sixty billion dollars now uh, has been committed to from the United States to Ukraine. And I could tell you, I've, I've been there seven times now since February. Uh, last last uh, in last week, I was in a. I spent 10 days in the in the red zones, the Russian-occupied red zones, in the very front lines. I spent with uh, six different units, a special operations unit, artillery unit, uh, in, uh, chemical warfare unit, and, um, and some engineers, all these amazing uh, Ukrainian uh, patriots fighting for their country and their freedoms and their families, and they're not seeing that $60 billion. Uh, and, I, you know, I don't know where it's going, but I know that we have— we have uh, committed that money with no congressional oversight, no oversight committee. That money is just going out and being, and uh, you know, in hopes that it'll land in the right place. And it's not landing in the right place because we're out there bringing medical supplies to them and helping equip the troops and bringing them things like, you know, audio Bible sticks and and and, and training them uh, in in mental and spiritual resiliency, which is one of the things that Mighty Oaks Foundation does, and and uh, and just helping equip them. But they're not seeing this, this, all this billions of dollars that's being sent to Ukraine. And I don't think they will see it, Lou. 
I, I I'm afraid that you're exactly right, and I, and and just from my perspective, uh, watching this money go out in uh, in tranches of uh, three billion dollars, seven hundred million dollars, as the Biden administration is sprinkling money rather than bolstering uh, the military effort uh, of the Ukrainians with uh, significant weaponry, uh, so that they can actually mount a strategic response. Uh, they are, but I have to say, you were amongst the first to give the Ukrainians credit uh, for their uh, their will to fight. They are acquitting themselves in ways I think most military strategists, uh, the so-called uh, you know, three-star experts, uh, didn't foresee. Uh, and I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I just worry that it's it's not enough, and it's it's too late uh, for those brave those brave uh, warriors uh, to prevail. Your thoughts? You know, um, it's it's really hard to go there and 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 see what you see in the, in the will of these people, the commitment of these people, and uh and 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 see any sign of uh, defeat in them. They're willing to. And I, and I heard this not from a soldier, but from a chaplain you know, who said, we're going to win. And, I, and he said it with such confidence. I said, how do you know you're, you're going to win? And we're sitting in a safe house in, in the middle of Ukraine. The air sirens are going off. And, 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 uh, and uh, it, it was just it, it was a really surreal moment. And he, he said, because we won't give up one inch or one person. Uh, and we'll, we'll stay till the end. They're, they're going to fight to the end. And uh, something I've seen over, you know, the last 30 years of being involved in combat and, and, and being in places all over the world, you could have the most technology and, and equipment and, and money, but it's the will of the people that in, in the soldiers on the battlefield that typically determine the, out, the outcome. Um, the, the Ukrainian troops are fighting for their homes. They're fighting for their families. They're fighting for their freedom, their very lives. The Russian troops that are there don't want to be there. They don't even know why they're there. And so there's a very low morale on one side and there's a will to all in will on the other side. And um, I mean, look, I, I despise everything about the Taliban uh, to the core. They're evil and evil people, they're evil ideology. But after 20 years, they're still there. Why? Because of their their mindset. They're, they're such a, you know, they were so mentally, and from a warped sense, mentally and spiritually determined uh, but that's why they're still there after 20 years. And, uh, and I see that even more so in the Ukrainian people, uh, only, only with them, uh, you know, they had the right motives. How does it end in Ukraine? You know, it depends. It's this, it's a hard answer, uh, question to answer because, you know, we don't know what in the mind of a lunatic and Putin, how far he's going to go, the more, the more uh, you see the Ukrainians win, and they're winning these, uh, they're taking ground back, and I've seen it firsthand. I've been in, I've been in places. Uh, I was in Kharkiv recently, and uh, I was in Kharkiv. A hundred thousand apartment buildings were, were down to the to rubble, and uh, now Ukrainian has Ukrainians have that back. So as as they regain ground, Russia does something more radical. Uh, Putin does something more radical out of his embarrassment uh, for losing. So we don't know how radical he'll become. And we don't know the response of the West because the West has no leader right now. Uh, who should be leading is, is uh, the president of the United States, who's the leaders of the free world. And he should be uniting the European nations together uh, to take a position and take a stance. But there is no stance. There is no position that's been announced. Uh, there is no repercussions. Uh, there is no repercussions to Putin for firing ballistic missiles into, into civilian populations for uh, 
for launching chemical weapons in civilian populations, which we know for 100% certainty is happening. Uh, these are war crimes and crimes against humanity. Uh, you know, I do not believe the United States should be jumping in every war around the world, but this is a, a place that uh, a line needs to be drawn. And in the, the year 2022, in a, a civilized world, we should never allow uh, a neighboring country, a world superpower, to march into a neighboring country and fire ballistic missiles in the, in the civilian populations. Uh, to launch chemical weapons civilian populations. But we, we need a leader of the free world that will unite the world together to take a stand against Mr. Putin and say this is not okay. And uh, we don't have that right now. So within that lack and absence of that, it's very hard to predict uh, what is actually going to happen moving forward. I, I do believe, however, uh, my prediction is that uh, there's going to be a, a border that's going to be settled and there's going to be a contentious, uh, that contentious border for just like there has been for since 2014. And, uh, you know, I, I think that border is kind of shaping itself uh, as we speak. We, we see uh, kind of that, that red line of where the red areas are. And I, I, I can see that in my opinion from what I see now. I can see that holding for the next one or two years of uh, continued fighting there and that turning into a contested border for an indefinite amount of time. You know, I, I was thinking as you were talking about uh, with your compatriots in uh, uh in Ukraine uh, and fellow warriors uh, laughing about the U.S. leadership. Is there laughter about the European leadership, which, by the way, in my opinion, are the ones who should be looking upon themselves as uh, bastions and pillars of the free world, and Germany and France and the U.K. Uh, can't muster the strength to respond as individual nations, let alone the European Union and all the, the geniuses, uh, genius socialists in Brussels and the European Union, without having, they're not responding at all. They should be defending, in my judgment, uh, Ukraine uh, and providing great, great support uh, and resources. Yeah, they're absolutely. Not, you're, you're so right. And, uh, I mean, look, if I was a leader in Europe, I wouldn't want... I wouldn't want the buffer to be the Polish border. I'd want the buffer to be Ukraine. So let's uh, let's keep that buffer in place there between uh, between Russia and and because uh, I mean if they take Ukraine, they're not going to want to stop there. So you think the European Union would be taking more of a leadership? And and I agree with you. And you're you're 100 right. However, uh, I, I think the 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 thing to be seen from here is that the world looks to the United States. Uh, the world has always looked to the United States since World War II as the uh, as, as the person to look to, I mean, they look for leadership from the United States, and that's lacking right now. Yeah, they're laughing, and Americans are crying. Uh, we have a puppet president doing the bidding of Marxist Dems who have taken control of the Democrat Party along with the deep state. They're embarrassing the nation. Uh, they are uh, depriving us of our rights daily uh, and increasingly. Uh, it is uh, where they can attack uh, this former president uh, and raid his offices, uh, we have reached a new nadir uh, in what America is and may be. I, I personally believe, Chad, America is not the America that we grew up in. And what it will become is going to depend on what we as patriots and, and citizens uh, unite to make certain occurs, which is uh, to remove the corruption from Washington, D.C. Nothing less uh, will uh, change the, the trajectory we're on, which is clearly decline. We always give our, our guests 
Chad, as you know, the last word. Uh, we're going to be recommending your book strongly and frequently. Uh, the book is Saving Aziz. It's coming out in uh, in uh, uh, January of 2023. Uh, uh, and uh, again, we commend it to you highly. It'll be available for pre-order. And uh, with that, Chad, your concluding thoughts. Well, I know we talked a lot about Ukraine and uh, in Afghanistan, but look, the, the world is uh, in, a, in a place to where the uh, United States needs to be strong. We got our Iran uh, and, their, and their advancement in nuclear weaponry. You got, uh, you got North Korea saying they're going to, I mean, the difference in North Korea over the last year, they're saying they're going to launch a nuclear weapon test. Uh, we have, you know, people all over the world, uh, China, right? And, and China is going to, I'm surprised they hadn't took Taiwan yet. But then we have the cartels on the southern border and, and everything. No one is intimidated by the United States right now. And uh, so, you know, this is a time where Americans need to stand up. Our government's not doing the right thing. People need to stand up. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean you need to start an organization and go to Ukraine or Afghanistan like we did. Uh, but, you know, get out there, get involved. The midterms are coming up. We have to take our country back. And I don't mean I'm not saying that as a pundit for the right or left, the Republican or Democrats. Uh, I, I just mean uh, Americans uh, as conservatives, uh, we need to take our country back and, and, and get rid of these uh, get rid of these people out there that are uh, self-serving interests and not willing to serve the constituents and the will and the, and the goodwill of the American people. Chad, it's always great to have you with us, and thank you for those words. Uh, well said, and uh, Godspeed with all that you're doing for so so many of us. You're appreciated, you're greatly respected, and God bless you. God bless you, Mr. Dobbs. Thank you so much. Chad Robichaud, you're a great American. It's always an honor to have you on our show. Again, Chad's book is available for pre-order now. It's called Saving Aziz. How the Mission to Help One Became a Calling to Rescue Thousands from the Taliban. You can pre-order it today at LouDobbs.com or Amazon.com. Thank you all for being with us today. We hope you have a great weekend. Our guest Monday will be former FBI agent Greg Schaefer. We'll be talking with Greg about how he feels about his once-storied FBI that is now mired in corruption and scandal. Please join us here Monday. Until then... God bless you, and may God bless America. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.